Hi, homies. Hi, again. Hello. Uh, I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. I forgot how we did this. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is Hometown Homicide. (laughs) This is Hometown Homicide. Well, like I said at the beginning of the last episode, which is the regularly scheduled episode, I was making it up to you guys for missing last week. So it's not actually a bonus episode. You just get two this week to make up for... Oh my God, you're Alexis talking. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Oh my God. One of her ALEXA devices started talking in her office for no fucking reason. And we both looked at each other like, who is talking in this apartment? It's not supposed to be. Jason, quit messing with the A-L-E-X-A. Or Ned, either way. What is happening? I don't know. What is happening? I got real weird real quick. That okay, was, correction, it wasn't an A-L-E-X-A it, device. I mean, it was. Oh, it was. it has that on the Kindle, but the Kindle was lit up, and my actual device wasn't. Super weird. And that thing never... And there's other devices closer to us, you know, in the kitchen and stuff, that could hear... That's, That's so weird. Ghosties with the mosties. My bruh. gosh. Bruh. Um, bruh. Bruh. That's been like my new, not new favorite word, but my favorite word lately for some reason. Bitches come and go, bruh. But you know I stick. TikTok. Mm-hmm. I figured. Um. So the last episode, I was, you know, news, like true crime news and whatnot. So was it last summer that kid murdered his parents? In his house. Yep. So he's obviously currently sitting in jail, but the house is up for sale. And they're only, like, only accepting offers for, like, a couple days because it's it's $100,000 below asking price. And so people are, like, trying to see this house. And I'm like, I kind of want to – I'm not going to waste anyone's time. But um, I think it would be kind of cool to see the inside to see if it's, like, if they had crime scene – cleaners I'm come sure in or come like in, if there's but... still but yeah it's it's for sale and it's price is really low but they're only accepting offers until tomorrow and once that trial is if there is a trial when it's done mm-hmm. we'll discuss that because that was same with the other one that killed his parents and sister whenever that one gets he shot them to make it look like an intruder and shot himself in the foot. Oh, yeah. I forgot he shot his sister, too. Because mm-hmm. they were back to back. Yeah, they were they? pretty close. Yeah. People wilding out here. Oh, I was going to say this earlier. Um, So I have like a curiosities cabinet going. Okay. Of, you know, oddities and things. Crystals and books and just kind of weird shit. Because I'm weird like that. Um, guess what I just bought on Etsy last night? <gasps> I'm really excited about it. I don't know. Um, I tried to make two of the girls at work guess this, and it took them forever. But um, I'll, I'll give you this. It's, it's an item that a person gets. Well, I mean, it's not like a part of a person. But it's something a person gets after they die. That actually goes on their body. 
Oh, it goes on their body? Yeah. So, like, if I die... If you, you'll get one. I'll get one. For a while. Like, when I... I mean, I'm assuming this is still an actual practice. What? I have no idea. <laughs> Just tell me. A used vintage toe tag. Oh. You are... <laughs> I know. I know. Did but. you know that Betty's Betty White's stuff is going up for auction? I keep getting notifications about Betty White's stuff, yeah. Are you going to buy anything? I, I hadn't looked at it. I, I'm more focused on the Kesha stuff on eBay all the time, which I missed an item because thanks, Michelle, for being sick on Monday. I know I already gave you a hard time, but still... There was a really cool leather shawl thing that had, like, fringe around the edges, like a good 8-inch fringe, and it was, it went for only, like, 26 bucks, and I was, like, going to bid on it, and then I was at work covering, and then I realized, like, 20 minutes after the bidding closed, I'm like, fuck, that was, that was today. Yeah, I'm sure Betty White stuff isn't going to be cheap. No. Oh, someone catches the shit's not. Gucci and fucking Versace and stuff on there but yeah Betty White stuff probably gonna be a bit Versace, Versace I'm sure Versace. the money's going to animal shelters oh, I'm or sure. some, something godly I had a dream about Betty White like your she was, lamp keeps flickering that was the third time that one uh-huh I noticed it one time but yeah yes it was the bigger time and it's done it two other times okay yeah something's going on um this is the haunted tales. The, haunt- the haunted hauntings. Hometown homicide. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> I don't know words. Um, what the? What was I? Oh yeah, I had a dream about Betty White. Like she was at, actually in my dream, like sitting on my couch, and I was like, Betty, you know, I didn't know you before, but like, I just feel like you had such a great. Like we were actually having a conversation. Like she was there, and mm. it was. I woke up. And I'm like. I know it was a dream, but, like, did she actually visit me in my dream? She didn't know me. <laughs> I didn't know her. Like, I know uh, of her, but I just, it, like, literally felt so real that I was actually having a conversation with Betty White. Yeah. It was so weird. A couple of weeks ago, I had one of my earbuds in at work, and a song came on my shuffle, and I was like, oh, R.I.P. Betty White. Did I tell you this story? I think so. And Trianne was like, what? She's like, from the window to the wall. I'm like, yup. <laughs> I watched that movie last week. Yeah. And then I watched Placid Lake. Lake Placid! That's it. Hell yeah. It was on Hulu or something. I she was says like, fuck in that movie. She's hilarious in that she's movie. So she's like, this is, this is the part where if I had a dick, I'd say suck it. <laughs> and I was like, go Betty White. Yes. Um, I watched... Freddy versus Jason okay. last week, which I had never watched before because I'm like, this has got to be stupid because the yeah, fuck. it is. Um, but I watched it because I listened to an old Morbid where they cover it, like they recap it. They were the most spot on everything that they said. Like, it was just, it made it that much better because I was oh. like, oh, yep, that chick does look like Brittany Murphy. Oh, yep, that is the poor man's silent... No, poor man's Jay, Jane Silent Bob. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy did say that. Like, it just, it, I was hmm, laughing the whole fucking time. It made it way more entertaining. Because I would have laughed regardless because it, it was cheesy. But I laughed because of what they had done I feel like it. I've watched that recently. I can't remember. 
Mm. I think it was like October-ish when I was, where I literally watched scary movies all month. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I watched them in other months, but October is right. the main month. Hyper and I, I think I recall watching that again, but I watched so many Halloween movies. My friend that does special effects makeup and stuff and has been in a couple indie movies is uh, going to film another one here shortly. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. His name is Brent Edgett. I'm going to just shout him out. I don't think he listens, but I don't care. He's in, uh, he loves Jason Voorhees, but he's been in a couple fan film type things. And he did all of the makeup for some opera recently. Awesome. And yeah, he's kind of starting to make a, a name for himself. So, oh, what's his Instagram handle? Gore Galore. No. Shit. I don't remember if that's it or if that's the other. Gorgalore, no shit. No, no shit. Gorgalore, G-O-R-E-G-A-L-O-R. Brent Edgett official. Is it verified? He's not verified yet, but it is his. Is is it is his official. Okay. So unbeknownst to me, that Ashley was going to do one that had some Iowa ties. I also was. Pr- preparing derpy derp derp (laughs) preparing a story involving Iowa but on this side of the state Iowa City to be exact Um, I had this on my original list of cases I wanted to cover and I realized um, early this week that it took place around Easter and since it is Easter time Mm. I'm like I'm going to do it then. So, There was a man named Stephen Francis Supel who was born in Iowa City, Iowa on August 13th, 1965 to parents William and Patricia. He was sixth of eight children and looked up to his older siblings. Steve was a 1983 graduate of Regina High School, which is in Iowa City for Mm -hmm. those of y'all not here. Then he attended University of Northern Iowa in... Cedar Falls. Cedar Falls. I was having a stroke. Thank you. Party there a few times on the hill. (laughs) And received a bachelor's degree in business. During his college years, he would often go back to Iowa City on the weekends, partly for Iowa football. Yeah. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. And my next sentence was, if you don't, or if you know anything about Iowa besides corn and bushlight, you know that we take our college football seriously. We do, because we don't have a professional team on anything. So we have nope. college, and that's it. Yep. Yep. According to close friends, Steve was a big joker with a sense of humor that could be turned on in an instant. But he never made someone the butt of his jokes and never did it for attention. He just wanted to make people laugh and have a good time. One longtime friend of Steve's said... Quote, Steve made people laugh more than anyone I knew in my life. He just made you want to be around him because you knew you were going to have fun. Steve was also described as, quote, the dork that everyone loved. He was tall and a bit lanky, but despite his build, he was pretty good at leisure sports. He liked to play basketball, golf, tennis, and also enjoyed fishing down at the Coralville Reservoir or the Res, as it is locally known as. Cheryl Margot Kesterson was born on February 21st, 1966, in Sioux City, Iowa. She was the daughter of John and Gisela Kesterson. 
Cheryl was a graduate of City High School, which is hard. It's weird to say. I I kept wanting to say City High High School, but Mm -hmm. there's no double high. Just City High School. Yeah. NERP. Also in Iowa City. And then attended the University of Iowa, leaving there with a bachelor's degree in education. Cheryl was described as a strong woman with a dry sense of humor and a go-getter. Cheryl was known to many in the community as she was in book clubs, a Catholic women's group, and among other activities, eventually became a board member of the Iowa Children's Museum. She also knew a ton about the Iowa City area, which tells me that she truly loved it there and probably why she wanted to raise a family there. Steve and Cheryl met in 1985 at the Field House. The original field house. The original field house bar in Iowa City. I was at field house last night. Not that field house. Which one in Marion? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the uh, the OG field house in, I've in Penn been, Mall. I've been there. Oh, yeah. It was good times back then. Oh, man. Hashtag old. Um, Hashtag old. <laughs> both of them arrived with their own group of friends, but connected almost immediately. Quote, they were sitting at the same table. Pretty soon their chairs got closer together, and before you knew it, they were out on the dance floor. Friends say that they were each other's first serious, like, significant other. Mm. One of their longtime friends said they clicked. They were one of those couples that were always together and always happy. So five years later, they were married on June 13th, 1990, at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Iowa City. A few years later, the Supels adopted four children from South Korea. Ethan, Seth, Mira, and Eleanor. I don't believe they were born to the same family there. I think they were, you know, adopted individually. Sure. When I first started looking at it, I didn't know if they had, like, family of four children that they took or... Or took, got, whatever. They didn't just steal them. <laughs> just shook them. <laughs> Come on, kids. Um, but no, I just think they, you know adopted them individually they wanted to give a safe and happy home to kids that might not be that fortunate in their born settings four children need a lot of space and the happy couple delivered steve and cheryl shared a 2500 square foot home with their children in a very family-oriented neighborhood on the east side of iowa city it was said that there were not jungle gyms but like Swing sets and, like, that kind of stuff, like, in all the backyards. And, okay. like, yeah. it was a very family area. The Supels were described by friends as a loving family with good values, and they were volunteers in the community. They were Catholics who attended church every weekend at St. Mary's Catholic Church, which, obviously, that's the church they got married at. That's the church they got the kids baptized in. Steve attended while he was growing up. That was their church. Yeah. The last weekend they'd attend church, though, was Easter Sunday, March 23rd, 2008. On that morning of Easter Sunday, Steve, Cheryl, and their four children attended Easter Mass at St. Mary's. And by all accounts from others at Mass, which included friends, family, and even according to the Reverend named Kenneth Kuntz, nothing seemed amiss with Steve or the family. Later that day, around 8 p.m., a family friend stopped by the Supel home and visited for a while. Everything seemed normal, but that was the last time anyone would see the Supel family alive. Now I have to back up. A little over a month prior to this fateful Easter, 
In February of 2008, Steve Supel was indicted by a federal grand jury after being investigated for embezzlement and money laundering. Oh. Specifically, one count of embezzlement of bank funds and six counts of money laundering, totaling just over $559,000 from Hills Bank and Trust. This was from when Steve served as the bank's vice president and controller and during the period of time between July 26, 2000 and September 12, 2007. This indictment came after bank officials noticed discrepancies in one of the asset accounts Steve managed and the subsequent investigation by the Johnson County Sheriff's Office and the FBI. A week after his indictment, he pleaded not guilty at an arraignment. Um, A trial was set for April 21st, 2008. He was released on a quarter million dollars personal bond and was not considered a flight risk. Quote from one of the articles I read is, it's a fact, so I just took it straight from it. The embezzlement charge carries a maximum penalty of 30 years in jail and a $1 million fine and five years of supervised release. Each money laundering charge is punishable by up to 20 years in jail and a $500,000 fine or twice the value of the funds allegedly stolen and three years supervised release. Hmm. One source I found mentioned, I, I read it in two spots, but I don't know if it was, I don't know. One source mentioned that Steve had at some point previously admitted to stealing nearly $220,000 over a three-year period and using most of it on cocaine. Oh, shit's expensive. <laughs> I was just like, I, what? That's um, a lot, but okay. Um, when the family home was searched in October, which would have been 07, during the investigation, no illegal drugs were found, so no drug charges were filed. As it was in the news, family and friends knew of these legal troubles, but everyone believed that Steve and his immediate family were working through the issues. Besides this obvious issue, things seemed normal. Like I said, people at church thought everything, you know, was... I almost said kosher, and then I realized I'm literally talking about Catholic church, and like, kosher is not their jam, but I... I get it. The words I use, I'm like, oh, that's... Yep, gonna sound like a dumbass. The day after Easter, Monday, March 24th, 2008, at 6.31 a.m., 911 dispatchers received a call. During the exchange, when the dispatcher asked the address of the emergency, the caller said, quote, 629 Barrington Road, please go there immediately. Dispatch then asked what was going on at the address, but the caller hung up. That address is the Supo home. Sometime after the family friends stopped by for the visit on Sunday after, you know, Easter day, Steve Supel went over the edge. Steve bludgeoned his beloved wife Cheryl to death in their bedroom. At 11.30 p.m., he actually called his and left a message on the answering machine at his father and brother's law firm stating that his family was in heaven. Even though he, I read that it was believed that at this particular time, the children were still alive. But after that message was left, he rounded up the children from their beds, because if it's past 1130, they're fucking sleeping. Mm -hmm. Brought them into the garage, got them into the family van and started it with the door shut, the garage door shut. 
trying to kill his children and himself by carbon monoxide poisoning. This was apparently taking too long because he abandoned that plan. He brought the kids back inside to their rooms and one in the toy room for some reason, but beat all four of the children to death with a baseball bat. Oh my God. Three of the four kids were found in their rooms and then the youngest was found downstairs in the toy room. Later, after everything, the Iowa State Medical Examiner's Office did say that the death of his wife and four children died of numerous injuries from blunt force trauma to their upper torsos and heads. Oh my God. Those poor children. Right. Um, How scary would have that... I mean... Right. Even if they slept through him attacking mom... Like, your dad gets you up in the middle of the night, and, like, I, I, yeah. He mentioned these events in a lengthy letter that he wrote and left in the house on the kitchen table. At 3.45 a.m., he makes another call, this time to his former employer, Hills Bank, and the details were not released from that voicemail. At some point, he left the house in the family van because at 3.50 a.m., He calls his own home's answering machine and expresses regret for his actions. A little too late for that. (sighs) Yeah. Just a few minutes later at 4.01 a.m., he called home again to say he tried drowning himself in the Iowa River at Lower City Park, but, quote, just kept floating. Steve's whereabouts for the next two and a half hours weren't mentioned, but it was he who called 911 at 6.31 a.m. and requested that police go to his home. Then, just five minutes later, and about ten minutes from his home, Steve was outside of Iowa City, speeding down Interstate 80, going approximately 80 miles per hour, when he took his life in a fiery crash by slamming head-on into a concrete pillar in the median. Steve had to be identified by dental records. Police said Steve apologized many times in the different messages he left, mentioning his despair about legal troubles and embarrassment of losing his job as vice president at Hills Bank and Trust. That's what you're worried about? Like... You just killed your entire family. Exactly. What is interesting to me is the entire family... I mean, I get it, but part of me doesn't. The entire family had a joint funeral service and are buried next to each other in the St. Joseph Cemetery in Iowa City. Steve, his wife, and for all four kids? All in a row. A friend said that Cheryl would always say that Steve was a good man, a good husband, and a good father. And the same friend also had difficulty understanding why they were all buried together. Um, but this person said, quote, she would have wanted it this way. I mean, uh, but do you know what she would have wanted Knowing like, what do you was think going to she would ever would have been like, oh, if my husband murders me and my four children in a horrible way, please bury us together. They don't know that's what she would have wanted. I know, but and I can't imagine as the f- just because they're the living family, next to each like other. The, and yeah, but the you know their parents or whatnot trying to deal with it and decide what to do that's, and whatnot. I can imagine. Um, Steve Supel was forty-two years old. Cheryl was also 42. She was a big community lover, book enthusiast, and all-around good human. Ethan was the oldest at 10 years old. He played cello, golfed, and enjoyed playing soccer. It seemed that he was really smart, um, being able to 
one of the things said something about he would sit in the corner and, like spout off factoids like just like random knowledge bits reminds me of sheldon i know right um and seemed mature for his age seth was eight years old he loved animals music and liked to garden especially um, gardening vegetables and flowers he was a little bit shy but an adventurer Mira would have turned six years old the next day on March 25th of 2008. She she loved to be the boss. She was described as a fireball and an entertainer. And then Eleanor was just three. Eleanor was a little princess. She loved to dress up and play with her Barbie dolls. And she liked to wear her tights and tap shoes. And it was Eleanor, the three-year-old, that was found in the toy room. I don't know if he put her in there to, like, kind of distract her while he... Killed the rest of her siblings. Dispatched the older ones. My Lanta, I just... And I don't know if I remember hearing about... I don't remember hearing this, and I was here. So he was... Was he driving the right way down 80 or the wrong way and hit the median? I'm pretty positive he was driving the correct way. He just veered into the median and... Crashed. Smacked okay. the Because I know, that, like, there's been some accidents where they're going the wrong way. Right. On 380. One of, and one crashed and passed away but they don't know if that was like medical related Mm -hmm. so i just didn't know if he you know was gonna go down the wrong way and hit someone head on right which at least he didn't do that exactly take another innocent life yeah from the pictures i saw it looked like you know the the big ass signs that hang like over the top of the interstate Mm -hmm. or whatever so then they're anchored in like those big giant pillars i think that's what one of the ones that he crashed into was something like that and, like, what was he... Not that it matters, but, like, what was he doing for two and a half hours? Was he just sitting? Was he just driving? Was he thinking, like, what... How he was going to take care of himself? Or, you know, like, take himself out? Or... I don't... It, I, just the whole thing. It was very bizarre. Probably trying to figure out the best way to... And, yeah, your, your family might have been embarrassed or whatever by what you did. First of all, you did it. So, maybe you should have thought about that before you stole money. Yeah. I mean, it's still tragic. People died. He was a good person. Mostly. Just don't take your innocent family yeah, along. Right. Like, it, it, that makes no sense. Especially four kids you brought here so they'd have a better life. Yeah. And then you snatched it away. That was, you know, the my main story for, for this week. Uh, I did think about it, and I want to, to offer... Because I still find it interesting. I only have like half of a report for what I was going to do last week. Um, I could read it quick if you wanted me to. Because I still find it, you know, whatever. Sure. Kind of like this, you know, the Suples story. Like the time of year kind of made me want to do it. Um, you know, we're into April now. And I was like, I don't know just what to do. Oh, that was the other thing. I know I texted you about it. But yeah, the flipping episode that I other thing i was gonna do last week morbid came out with part one of it on wednesday and i'm like oh jesus christ i haven't listened to morbid this week if mine had come out last week and then i just think i would have been really embarrassed (laughs) not that i mean we're very we're we're different people and whatnot but there was a lot more backstory than i realized as i was getting into it and which is proven by elena needing to do two parts it was just weird because the very first episode i wanted to do Crime Junkie came out with the fucking story that week. And I'm like, well, yeah. I guess I'm not going to do that one. And then this one I had thought about doing, and then I didn't, and then Morbid did it. But no, so 
this other one that like I said it's only like a half a thing but I, I feel like I do want to share it because I'm, I'm not gonna end up finishing it um there's a boy his name was Owen Piero he was a small red-haired boy born to parents Sean and Ruby he was an only child and when he was very young his mother Ruby was killed in a hit and run in front of their home Witnesses said it was an old muscle car, perhaps made in the 1970s, like a gunmetal kind of color, and believed it was a love like Plymouth make. Um, you'd think that would be a pretty standoutish crime to solve, but it never was. So Sean had to raise Owen on his own. The death of his wife led to Sean being an overprotective father, rarely wanting Owen to do things by himself. Contributing to that, when Owen was born, he had a small birth defect, which was a club foot. For those of you unfamiliar with that, it is a congenital deformity in which the affected foot appears rotated internally at the ankle. It's twice as common in boys, which I found interesting. And only one in 1,000 babies are born with club foot. Hmm. I was positive that my one of my brothers had club foot. But when I texted my dad, he said it wasn't clubfoot. It was just something about the tendons. And it's like, that kind of still sounds like clubfoot, dad. But <laughs> okay. Because um, they'll like correct it with like a cast or whatever. So it stretches it out right and yeah. whatever. A uh, um, girl I used to work with at GoDaddy. Mm-hmm. I just had a baby and he is clubfoot and mm-hmm. on its second cast. On his second cast. Yeah, babies. A lot of times you call them it's, it's fine. <laughs> um, and I mean, my brother grew up to be a runner. He was a track and cross country star, even running marathons in his younger years because my brothers are older than me by a bit. Um, he won the Kansas City Marathon one year. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I don't run, so that's, I don't either. that's not my deal. I sit. Um, <laughs> Sean did get Owen medical care to correct the deformity, and his foot eventually appeared just fine. He did have a slight limp to his gait, though, which went unnoticed by most. But to the overprotective Sean, it was like a big caution sign hanging above Owen's head. Despite his wonky foot and his mother's tragic death, Owen had a pretty good early childhood. They lived in a nice part of town with very friendly neighbors from diverse backgrounds. His school was popular amongst the other children with likable teachers that made class fun. Sean did the best he could raising Owen, but trying to raise a child on his own did prove to have its challenges. They had a good relationship, but Sean was definitely a helicopter parent and Owen wanted to learn new things and explore the outside world like many children do. A lot of the time, this desire to explore led kids to the questionable part of town. Most towns have a questionable part. Um, This one was often referred to as the slope. It was basically the split in the neighborhood where it transitioned from residential like and parks and stuff to it literally went downhill to more of an industrial area with factories, open lots, and a few abandoned structures. Not necessarily a bad place to be, but sketchy characters tended to lurk around in different areas. Kind of like a mild skid row, which is kind of funny since I just referenced this street is skid row earlier. I know. It's bad. It's bizarre. Now you tell a kid not to do something, sometimes they want to do it even more. This was the case for Owen and a couple of his friends. They were told to stay away from the slope, 
as you know, drug dealers, homeless folk, and other not-kid-friendly people were known to hang out there. But much like sneaking out at night or stealing a beer from your parents' fridge, which I never did, thank you. But I did not either. Um, mom drank Miller Lite. Yep. <laughs> doing anything in the slope could be a rush. So one average day back in 2003... The kids were basically double-dog daring each other to run and touch a certain building down in the slope, trying to see which one was brave enough to actually do it. Which, I put in here, kind of like the buckle game, going to the back wall of the buckle yeah. and touching it and getting out before anyone talks to you. Uh, unbeknownst to the children, Sean had overheard them and actually followed them to see what they were up to. He caught them in the act and laid into them all, particularly Owen. His love and worry for Owen came out harsh and belittling, even mentioning his deformity. And like many kids do, and embarrassed by a parent in front of their friends, Owen said, I hate you, to his father. Sean was obviously saddened by this and tried to calm down a bit, and he tried to shoo the other kids away, like towards home, when a pair of men in dark clothing pulled up and snatched Owen right off the street and then sped away. Right in front of his dad? Right in front of his dad. That's bold. I know, right? These men must have been either watching the children, hoping for a moment to show itself, or since it's a shady part of town, they may have been there for other business and decided to kidnap Owen on the spot. Either way, the last thing Owen said to his father before the kidnapping was, I hate you. I can't even imagine being either one, Sean nor Owen. It's like that, you know, don't go to bed angry thing or don't, yep. you know. And remember, this was back in 2003. It wasn't like everyone had a phone glued to their hands quite yet, and calling for help wasn't instantaneous. But once help was called, there were very few clues or witnesses that were the, that were found. A small group of guys came forward and acted like they wanted to help, but gave off bad vibes. This seemed that they may have just been looking for some brownie points with officials um, by helping, because it did turn out that they had CD pasts as addicts and had nothing to contribute to the investigation. But the biggest help was a woman that had been nearby. Not near enough to see Owen be taken, but did see a vehicle speeding away, presumably the one that the two men had sped off in. Her name is Elizabeth Sharp, and she became an integral part in the search for Owen Piero. Spoiler alert, Owen does get found. He's healthy and happy, but what he went through was terrifying. His kidnappers threw him in the back of their vehicle and kept him in the dark during his transportation. It turned out this wasn't their first time taking someone. One of them was what you would call a collector. He was in his... Of kids? Well, <laughs> hold on. He was in his 50s and wealthy. A sick and twisted man. He had others that he and his accomplice had taken as well. But not to kill, oddly enough. He just enjoyed having his victims to look at. Like the, what the fuck? like the victims themselves were trophies. He kept them fed, but obviously restrained. They did vary in age and gender, but were all part of this terrible man's collection. What? There's not a lot of information on how long the others had been in this in the wealthy man's quote possession, but it had been long enough that they seemingly accepted their fate. Though they did mention past attempts at escape. They took Owen under their wings and tried to make him feel as comfortable and at home as possible. He was the youngest in the group by far, so he did seem like an odd acquisition. Since he was wealthy, the man had a seemingly immeasurable budget on what was needed to keep his captives. 
and as a lot of scummy people do, he had a few people in his life that had similarly little to no morals. Obviously, one was his partner in Owen's abduction, but another was his niece. Crazy sometimes runs in the family. This was the reason that Owen was out of the ordinary for the collection. Owen wasn't meant for his own set, but as a plaything for his niece. She would be coming by in a few days to see her uncle, and that's when the wealthy man planned on gifting her Owen as her latest trophy. The more terrifying thing is that the niece was rough with her trophies, often killing them. What? (laughs) Oh, that was really hard. Doesn't sound familiar at all. No. So, you know what last Friday was? April Fool's? Yep. This was Finding Nemo. Oh my god. (laughs) What? I was like so excited to do this. I'm like, I'm a fucking kid, everybody. And then I just, I don't know. I was like gung-ho. And then I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if this is good or not. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. It's Finding Nemo. So Owen is almost Nemo backwards, but not quite. Piero is, I think it's French for clown, because he's a clownfish. Everything, all the names I had, like, rooted in, like, the movie. I thought this was, like, real life, like, some know, rich person actually, like, collected kids. I'm I like, mean, what I'm sure the it fuck? happens somewhere. I mean, there's human trafficking for fucked up reasons, but. And the niece just happens, to, is rough with <laughs> the them, niece. like, oh my god! <laughs> Um, born parents, Sean and Ruby. Well, okay. Coral was the mom. So Coral is like a pink. So I went with Ruby. Sean, Marlin. I don't remember what the, oh, Marlin Wayans, Sean Wayans. <laughs> like, how did I connect all these? The, the mom was killed in a hit and run in front of their house by a 70s muscle car, a Barracuda, because the Barracuda came in and <laughs> I, I delight myself. Um, the club foot thing was the little, the little fin. Uh-huh. <laughs> the slope was, what did they call it? The drop off? The drop? Yeah. Um, I was and literally it- watching Little Nemo. Thanks, Michelle. That's why I needed your Disney Plus login. <laughs> I was watching it. And like, like, pause. Pause. Whoopsie doodles. I'm going to hit something. And then oh Elizabeth. What did I name her? Elizabeth Sharp. Because Dory was a regal. So Queen Elizabeth. Regal. The fuck is she? I don't know. Sharp was a thing. There was it was all related. It was all related. And the kidnappers, they were wearing their dive suits or whatever. And yeah. did snatch Nemo in front of his dad. It was the yeah. truth. Yeah. And uh And the 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 guys, the guys that came by and wanted to help they didn't they kind of wanted to help because they were trying to figure out like dory saw the boat speed by because she was like oh it went this way and then it was the sharks that were the former addicts fisher friends (laughs) yeah i didn't i loved you're like oh my god and i'm like i was over here like oh my god i'm gonna fucking start laughing (laughs) (laughs) shit Not not something that, like, you know, will happen a lot. But I just was like, oh, I could make a fun twist on this. So 
<laughs> it was like, is this familiar? I'm like, no, like, uh, I haven't heard of someone collecting children or people. And I'm just like, I collect Starbucks cups and uh, wealthy people are weird. I mean, not weird, but like, right. oh, oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, rude. Yeah. That is what I was working on last week after I decided to bail on the other story. But then I just was like, I'm not happy with this either. Nothing made me happy last. I was just in a very blah. Everything. I mean, if that would have been great if you actually like <laughs> Dory, like had the whole Dory thing and the dad couldn't read. So Dory could. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was going to be like, well, Dory thought she saw something on the. Oh, you know what? I, I don't know. I was trying to figure out what to do and shark bait Ooh, ha, ha. Yeah. you got us you got us you got me a little a little lighter hearted bit for the end of a very sad family annihilation sorry oh. wasn't expecting that <laughs> uh, like I said I delight myself <laughs> but yes hope you enjoyed the real story I hope you weren't too pissed about the fake story uh, but either way, thanks for listening. <laughs> yes, thanks for being okay with a week break. But we made it up. We made it up. I, I so. think that does make it up. <laughs> Dang. <sighs> Follow us, message us, like us, love us, rate us, all that good stuff. Hometown Homicide Podcast. So Remember, we want to tell stories to you and not about you. So stay safe, even if you're swimming. Just keep swimming. (laughs) Just keep swimming. (laughs) And this was Hometown Homicide Haunted Edition. (laughs) This shit's 